Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. Some of you are looking up here and going, who's the big guy in the green shirt? My wife's asking that too, probably. But uh, I'm Randy Carter. My wife is Nancy. And we are part of Lighthouse. Lifehouse. Did I say Lighthouse? We're part of Lighthouse somewhere too. But, but we're part of Lifehouse. And, uh, and we just don't get to come a lot because we're preaching most weekends. But thank you, Pastor Drew, for letting me open this Advent season with the first Christmas message of the season. So if you're open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, uh, we'll be sharing from a familiar story, the story of the angel talking to Mary, the soon-to-be mother of Jesus. So let me give you a little funny story about Christmas, about Santa Claus. There are four stages to Santa Claus. And the reason I said it's a funny story is that means you're going to laugh at the end of it, all right? Sometimes they're not funny, so I said to try to have a little sympathy here. Four stages of Santa Claus. Number one, you believe in Santa Claus. How many still believe in Santa Claus, all right? Yeah. Carlos back there is Santa Claus, all right. And uh, number two, you grow up enough that you don't believe in Santa Claus. Number three, you really grow up, you get married, have kids, you are Santa Claus. And number four, you look like Santa Claus. And that's where I'm at today. That's where I'm at. It's not funny. Okay, but thank you for making fun of me. So Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Then in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I mean, you know, that's pretty, pretty heady stuff there. You're a young virgin girl, and Gabriel, not just any, not just your ordinary angel, but Gabriel appears and tells her all this incredible news. Listen to this, it's her response. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? How will this be? Anybody ever asked that? Anybody ever had God speak something to you that left you scratching your head in wonder and awe? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Father, give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today. It's such a familiar story. Lord, that many times we just read it and we don't even pay attention because we've heard it. We know it. But Lord, there are some things you want to speak to us, some things you want to encourage us with today. So God, we open our hearts. We open our ears. We say, Lord, speak to us today. Encourage us, Lord. Build our faith today to move from the impossible to the possible in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let me ask you a question, and it's a question I already know the answer to. You don't have to raise your hand, but let me ask this question anyhow. Is there anyone here facing an impossibility in your life? 
Anyone facing an impossibility. Consider the impossibilities Mary faced. The Lord's just given her an incredible promise. She's going to be the mother of the Messiah, mother of the Son of God. And Mary's response is pretty normal. She goes, well, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She says, it's impossible. Joseph, she knew it was impossible because Joseph had already, after she, te he, she tells him the news, decides to put her away or divorce her privately. How's it going to happen, Lord? I, don't e I won't even have an earthly father. She knows that she has to avoid being stoned, which was the custom of the day when a virgin found herself pregnant outside of, the, uh, outside of marriage. What impossibilities are you facing today? Maybe it's a marriage that's on the rock. Maybe it's a healing that the diagnosis has not been good. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's about a child that's a, a, a prodigal. What is it that you're facing today, and yet God has come to you and said to you, this is what's going to happen, and it's left you scratching your head. Three phases we all go through, moving from the impossible to the possible. Three things, three phases we move from the impossible to the possible. Let me give them to you, and then we'll talk about them. Stumped, trumped, and pumped. Three phases. All right, you guys over here, you're going to help me. Stumped, all right? When I point, you're going to say stumped. That's the scratch in your head. This group, you're going to say Trump, not the president, okay, or ex-president. Future, we don't know what this, you know. Not, just get off that right now. Trump, duh. And pumped, okay? Three phases we all go through. Boy, that Trump was loud. I don't know what that <laughs> says about this group. But let's talk about the first one, stumped. Mary gets this incredible word, and then she says this, how will this be? How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Mary just had a conversation with Gabriel, and he told her these incredible things, and it left her with various emotions, fear, joy, excitement, confusion. But notice how she responds. She responds like the most of us. She responds to a miraculous promise by looking at her own ability to make it come to pass. Have you ever found yourselves doing the same thing as Mary, wondering over the impossible, how will this be? To us, it seems impossible. To us, it seems like it can't happen. Like the real question is, how do we get from believe being stumped to Trump to being pumped? Here's the mistake we make. Here's the mistake I've made many times, and perhaps you've made the mistake. Thinking the fulfillment of the promise depends on us. That's what leaves us stumped. We think that the fulfillment of the promise, I believe with all my heart, and I spoke it over the church in the first service, uh, that I believe, I was just sitting there this morning, this time next year, y'all be in three services. I, I believe that with all of my heart. And this little guy's going to have to stand up here. You'll probably have to get him a stool for the third service. Or a ladder so you can see him, one or the other. I made it through one service with no short jokes. I'm sorry. That's about as good as it gets. But your natural reaction, how can that be? How can that be? Here's the truth. God's promises can only be fulfilled by God. God's promises can only be filled by God. And the promises of God require the God of the promise. Amen. 
The promises of God require the God of the promise. I, I, I want to share a story with you. And I don't know. We've been coming. We retired four years ago uh, in December. And I've probably shared this story several times that I've preached here. But, but maybe in the marriage seminar. I don't remember. I'm 71. I don't remember. Where am I? I don't know. Is this Lighthouse? Is that where we are? So here we are. But it's a story, it's a love story that's greater than Romeo and Juliet. It's the love story of Randy and Nancy. And it started some 42 years ago. Nancy, I, I, we met when I was 28, she was 23. I robbed the cradle and, uh, and I, had, I had not dated in a long time because I had been hurt like no one else ever been in hurt. You know, I'm a big baby or whatever. But I'd been hurt and, and had a girl that had broken an engagement. And after that, I just went, became a recluse. I just be, built this incredible wall up so that nobody could get, get close to me. Anybody ever been there besides me? Or am I the only sinner in the house? I mean, I had this huge wall. And then I see this good-looking girl from California. And she starts making eyes at me. And she's got some beautiful eyes. And <laughs> let's, let's go home. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, I digress. All right. Precious memory. Okay. Anyhow, she asked me out, and, and we start going out. That's the way I tell the story. We start going out, and, and that wall that I had so carefully constructed she started tearing down brick by brick. And every brick she tore out, I would throw it at her because I didn't want anybody to get close to me again because that meant risking pain. We dated for a couple of years, and, and I'll never forget, we were getting, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and getting ready to drive down to Greenville, South Carolina, and we talked about marriage. I mean, you date that long at that age, you, you know, you're going to talk about marriage. But, and, but I mean, we'd actually become engaged, but I didn't, I, I didn't want that. I was afraid. And going from, Greenville to, uh, from Cincinnati to Greenville, the Lord and I had an incredible conversation. It was one of those life-changing moments when, when I said to the Lord, Lord, you either have to take Nancy out of my life, because I didn't want to hurt her. And I knew my actions and my attitude were hurting her. Or... Or, Lord, you have to give me a love for her that she deserves. And when I prayed that, it's as if the wall fell down. Just like the walls of Jericho fell down after the marching. I mean, it just, every, everything. And I felt a love come into my heart that I hadn't felt in a long time. And, uh, and so the, you know, I go on to Greenville. I'm there for a couple of days. And I call her, and I'm all excited to talk about the wedding. And let's get this planning under the way. And she's not excited. And being the brilliant, discerning man that I am, I go, what's wrong? Are you, do you not want to get married? And she goes, I don't know. And then I felt like, God, you did it to me again. Anybody ever felt that way or am I the only one? God, you did it to me again. And I was broken. And yet I heard the Lord say, I heard the Lord say to me, Randy, if you'll trust me, I will restore this relationship. If you'll trust me, I will restore. And I'm going, how can this be, Lord? 
I'm the one that destroyed it. I'm the one that messed it up. I, I'm the one that's got to fix it. Anybody ever get into that predicament? I'm the one that got here. I'm the one that's going to have to get me out. But the Lord said to me, he said, Randy, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to restore this, but you can't be involved in it. You can't call her. You can't talk to her. You can't go see her. You're just going to have to trust me. And then he said this. He said, this is the one area of your life that you've never trusted me with. Now, I trusted him with other Financially, I could give everything I had away. And, and no problem, because I'd learned to trust him in so many other areas. But when it came to a relationship, I had just not trusted him. I joked, but it wasn't really a joke. I kind of actually thought this. I, I, you know, I saw some of my friends that got married in Bible college, and, and they would have their arm around their wife, and they'd go, this is the woman God gave me. And some of them, I'm going, I could have done better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. I'm not talking about in a physical. I'm just talking about attitudes here. You know, but that, that was kind of the self-righteous attitude that I had. And the Lord saying, you need to learn that you can't do better than me. You need to learn that you can't do better than me. And in that stumped phase, here's the question that we have to answer. Who do you trust more, God or yourself? Who do you trust more, God or yourself? Well, you know, how many of you have ever had the Lord say to you after someone's hurt you, after someone's, you know, just been, just been a real jerk and, and you want to get even, and, and, and the Lord says, if you'll trust me, I'll restore, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it all into the light, I'll exonerate you. And, and you said, give me five minutes, Lord, and then you can have it. <laughs> Anybody? I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest here this morning. So first phase is stumped. And we have to answer the question, who do you trust more, God or yourself? The second stage is Trump. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Let me be perfectly clear when I say Trump, I'm not talking about the former president. I'm talking about God. God is the only one. Trump is not the hope of America. The Holy Spirit is the hope of America. What we need is God to move through his Holy Spirit. And, and the Lord wants us to, see, as, as charismatics, Pentecostals, full gospels, whatever label you want to put on those of us that believe the Holy Spirit is still active and alive and lives within each and every one of us, we need to understand the Holy Spirit is not an experience. The Holy Spirit is a person that came to live inside of you. We think when I was growing up, I went to camp when I was 13 and stayed at the altar till almost 1130 at night when everybody else had been worn out. And finally I said, oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit because I began to speak in other tongues. That was a beginning point, not an ending point. If all you have of the Holy Spirit is that you spoke in tongues once or twice, you, you have a relationship that awaits you that God wants to bring into your life and help you to understand that without the Holy Spirit, you're going to live a normal life, not a supernatural life. The only way to live a supernatural life is through the Holy Spirit. Zechariah in the Old Testament says this, the prophet, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And God would say to you, just like he said to me back those 40-some years ago, Randy, it is not by might, it is not by your power, but it's by my spirit that I'll restore this promise and this relationship to you. The Holy Spirit trumps our stumpness. When you're stumped, the Holy Spirit trumps your stumpness. In other words, get your eyes off your resume and get them on the Lord. Get your eyes off your, what do you mean by that? Well, some of us, we hear the promise of God, and we immediately, you see it in Scripture over and over. He says to Moses, I want you to go and deliver the people, but, 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 but I can't because I, I, I stutter. He gets, pulls out his resume, and it doesn't have anything about being a deliverer on it. And so he thinks he can't do it. But God says, get your eyes off what you can't do because I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to believe that I can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the finisher. He's the pioneer and the perfecter. He's the one that gives the promise. He's the one that fulfills the promise. And then the Lord gives Mary another reason to believe, not just because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to make the impossible possible, but because of the promise of God. The Lord says to, to gives Mary another reason. We stopped short of reading it, but, but she, in the next few passages, he goes on to say that her cousin, Mary, uh, Elizabeth rather, who is old and, and past childbearing age, is now six months pregnant said, look, you don't think I can do this? You don't think I can take a virgin girl and, and put a baby in her tummy? Look at this. I took a dead womb and put life into it. Yeah. And then he says this to her in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. Yeah. For that, I said, by the power of the Spirit, I'm going to do this. No word from God will ever fail. Amen. And somebody needs to hear that today. God's given you a word. And you're wavering back and forth in that word. And I understand that. I've done it many times. But God's word to you is no word from God will ever fail. When I read that, I, I was so touched by that scripture. I looked it up in several translations. New century. God can do anything. The King James, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. The Amplified, I love this one. For with God, nothing is or ever shall be impossible. The Living Bible, for every promise from God shall surely come true. Say it with me. Say it with me. When I'm stumped, I can't, but God can. Say that. I can't, but God can. Say it one more time. I can't, but God can. And when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you got the Holy Spirit living. That means you can do all things through Christ. So you're stumped, you're trumped, you're, 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 what you can't do, God can do. And then thirdly, you're pumped. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. When Mary received the understanding that she couldn't, but God could, she immediately got excited about the future and said yes to the Lord. And some of you in this room today need to reaffirm your yes to those things that God spoke to you maybe years ago now. Maybe last week, at, maybe this week at youth convention, you need to say with Mary, I'm pumped. 
I'm excited. I'm excited about three services. I'm excited about maybe even a fourth service. I'm excited about seeing my marriage restored. I'm going to do the work that, God, that God's going to help me do. I'm excited. I'm the only one excited in this room. It happened to Isaiah. Isaiah did the same thing in Isaiah chapter 1. When he was confronted with God's holiness, his response was, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live, live among a people of unclean lips. So what did God do? God took and trumped his stumpness. He's saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, there's no way I can do anything for God. But the Lord took the angel, had the angel take a coal off the altar of heaven and come and touch his unclean lips. And when God did what Isaiah could not do, clean up his lips, God, what was Isaiah's response? He was pumped. He said, Lord, when the Lord said, whom shall I send? Who will go? He goes, here am I. Send me. Amen. It's time to get excited about the fulfillment and the process that God wants to take you from impossible to possible. Can someone say praise the Lord this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, let me give you some helps, four practical helps to move from impossible to possible. And I promise I'll go quickly. Because Pastor Drew told me you guys are used to about 20-minute sermons, so we're, we're going we're gonna to do four real quick, all right? Four helps in moving from impossible to possible, from stumped to pumped. Number one, expect tests. Say, so, well, thanks a lot for that. Look what it says in Luke 128. Then the angel left her. Now think about it. One minute she's talking with Gabriel and the next minute she's all alone and she has to go and tell Joseph the most unbelievable story he's ever heard. Uh, here's what I've learned about dreams. Here's what I've learned about the promises of God. Dreams that bring us joy in the birthing can break our hearts during the waiting. Dreams that bring us joy in the birthing can break our hearts in the waiting. Author Ken Roberts said it this way, dreams can be the greatest source of our pleasure or the greatest source of our, of our pain. Because every dream, when you move from impossible to possible, is going to go through some tests. It's going to go through. Mary is all alone. All alone. Just a teenager. We don't know how old she was. In the first service, I said she was 13, but I don't know where that came from. That was the devil. We don't know how old she was. She could have been 19. She could have been 18. And I don't know. Pastor Drew knows everything. He'll fill it in next week. Why did I get off on that? <laughs> Here's what I want to say. When the tests come, refuse to doubt in the dark times what God spoke to you in the light. Never doubt what God in the dark what God spoke to you in the light. Hold on to the promise. Hold on to the promise. Number two, surround yourself with dreamers. Surround yourself with other dreamers. Luke 139 at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she uh, entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. As soon as Mary heard the angel say, this is what's going to happen, this is how it's going to happen, in response to her question, she immediately goes, and then he was, she's reminded that Elizabeth is carrying a prayer. She goes to where Elizabeth is. Why? Because dreamers encourage dreamers. Dreamers encourage dreamers. Who in your life can encourage you as you move from stump to pump? Can encourage you as you move from impossible to possible? 
Everybody in this room has two types of people in your life. One is VIP, and the other one is VDP. The VDP, very draining people. <laughs> and if you don't know who that is, you may be one. Very draining. You never get around people. David said, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. You ever get around people that make you feel like you ran into the wall and the troop ran over you? You know what I'm saying? Just people that when you talk about the possibilities, they talk about all the reasons why they can. I had a staff member one time. Be careful, Randy. I had a staff meeter one time. And every time I came up with an idea, he'd say, well, this is why it won't work, and this is why it won't work. And I said, this is why you no long, longer work. <laughs> I told him, your, 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 your job is not to tell me why it can't. Your job is to find out and help me find ways that it can work. Who do you have in your life that's a VIP, a very inspiring person? Someone that builds your faith. Dreamers always have other dreamers in their life. Moses had Aaron and her. Joshua had Caleb. Uh, David had Jonathan. Paul had Timothy and Titus and John, Mark and Luke and others. Jesus had the 12 and Peter, James and John. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. We need somebody in our life to bring encouragement to us. We need encouragement. And number three, keep singing. Keep singing. You not only need to expect tests and surround yourself with other dreamers, you got to keep singing. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to 55. When Mary gets back from spending time with Elizabeth, and that was an incredibly affirming time, the baby leaps in, Mary, in Elizabeth's womb, and he's filled with the Spirit. It's an incredible time. But when she gets back, Mary goes what most people call the Magnificat. The, the Mary's Song in the New International, that's how it's titled, Mary's Song. And here's what, she, here's what she sings. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has, come, has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers. Mary begins to sing. She sings about her calling. She sings about God's power. She sings about God's mercy. She sings about God's faithfulness. And she sings about the possibilities that God has put within her. Yeah. Do you have a song in your heart today? Do you have a song that you go to a go-to song. There were times when I was waiting for Nancy to come back to her senses. I say she went temporarily insane for a few months there is what I say, but, but I was waiting for her to come back and it was hard. It was discouraging. Even my own mom and dad thought, they thought I'd lost it. They said, son, we're, we're, you need to see someone. You need to get some help because she's not coming back. And they're the ones that believed in me, or I thought. But they were just going by what they saw. They hadn't heard what God had said through his spirit to me. So what did I do during those times? I had to learn to sing. And one of the songs that, one of the songs that I, I love to sing, now thank God for the songs that y'all sing, you know, but, but it's nothing wrong with singing a song that was written less than 24 hours ago, or more than 24 hours ago. 
You know, sometimes I think today we have to, if the song's not new, it can't be fresh. But for me, when I'm in a tough time, I, I sing the hymns. You say, why don't you sing the hers? You don't even know what a hymn is. <laughs> a hymn in a book, you know what I'm talking about? You just have a book in the back of the chair. Now we don't even have pews. We had them in, you know, oh, for the good old days. No, I kidding. I don't want to ever go back there. But when I find myself in difficult times, I'm not singing songs that I learned today. I'm singing songs that have got me through the last 71 years of my life. And when Nancy was gone and when there, was no, when there was no hope in the natural, when it didn't look like when week after week and month after month, it was almost four and a half, three and a half months before that happened, I began to sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'd begin to sing, great is thy faithfulness. Great is morning by morning your mercies I see. Why? Because they got me through that time of waiting between when being stumped and being pumped, between the impossibility and the promise. Why is singing so important? Because singing ushers us into the presence of God. Singing doesn't bring the presence of God here. It brings us to the presence. God's presence is everywhere. God's presence is in this room, but we may, may have felt that this morning or we may not have. But as we began to sing, as we began to worship, we, we were more aware of that. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. The trumpeters and the singers uh, joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, other instruments, they raised their voices and praise to the Lord and saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. If you don't learn to live and dwell in the presence of God, you'll never go from stump to pump. You'll stay, you'll stay at stumped. If you don't learn to enjoy and bask in the presence of God. And I'm not talking, if you wait till Sunday morning, now thank God for Don and his uh, incredible ability to, to lead us into the presence of God. He's gifted and we thank God for that. What else did you tell me to say? <laughs> no, that was, uh, I mean, that's, that's from my heart. I love that. He's taught by the best, Shelley and others and but, think, but you don't have to wait to be in church to be in the presence of God. You can get up in the morning feeling like, man, that promise is further away than it's ever been before. But you begin to sing, great is thy faithfulness. You begin to sing, to God be the glory. You begin to sing from graves to gardens. You begin to sing whatever song it is. It brings you and reminds you that you're in God's presence. Amen. And secondly, Sing until your wavering gives way to stability. Because there's going to be some wavering along the way. I, I'd like to tell you that from the beginning of August in 82 when she, when she went insane to, to November when, when she came back to her sanity that, that I never doubted one time. But the truth is, see, God had spoken to me. In Anderson, South Carolina, First Assembly of God on a Sunday night, the beginning of August, and 
and I'm saying, Lord, I know you've promised you, you'd restore this if I keep my hands out of it, but, but Lord, when's that going to happen? And I felt the still, small voice of the Lord say in November. Now, I was excited and mad because that was a couple months away, and I wanted it yesterday. But I held on to that, and so I made it through August, and I made it through September, made it through October, and I'll never forget in November, October 31st, I, went, I preached in, in um, Cadez, Kentucky. Anybody know where Cadez, Kentucky is? Don't worry, oh, you guys know? You, tell God, because he doesn't. Right. It's a little town at land between the lakes. It's a beautiful little town. And I woke up in the middle of the night about 2 o'clock on November 1st. And I remember I woke up singing, this is the day, this is the That's why I didn't sing earlier. All right. So, but I'm all excited, but November 1st passed and November 2nd passed. And third, got all the way to the 12th. All the way to the 12th, and that's my birthday, my 30th birthday, and, and I'm thinking, well, at least I'll get a sympathy card <laughs> I, if I don't get anything. So I go to the mailbox, and I open up the mailbox, and there's a card from her sister, and there's a card from Nancy Harmon, who she was traveling with, and there's six or seven cards from the girl. No card. She was such a jerk, she didn't even send <laughs> me a sympathy card. And... And I remember it broke me. I've been holding on for three and almost a half months now. And I went back into my bedroom and at the desk I used, I had her picture on the desk. And, and I remember taking that picture and putting it in the drawer and slamming the drawer shut. And I'm bawling, I'm squalling, I'm, I'm uncontrollable. And, and, uh, and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And I remember opening the drawer and pulling the picture out and putting it back on the desk and say, yeah, I'm going to trust you, but I don't like this. <laughs> you know what? God said, that's all I'm asking is for you to trust me. And that night, we had dinner at mom's and dad's, and, and uh, while we were sitting down, we just prayed, just getting ready to start, and the phone rings, and my sister gets up and answers the phone is attached to the wall in the kitchen. None of you know what that is. And, uh, and her eyes get real big, and she goes, it's Nancy. And I get excited, and I go, I'll go. We had two phones, one in the kitchen and one in the bedroom. So we go to, I go to the bedroom, and, and I said, I knew you'd call. That's not what I said. I said, I'm so thankful you called, and I started to cry. Because if it's not dependent on you, don't get cocky. Yeah, come on. Good. Just a word for somebody. And, and she goes, are you crying? And I go, yeah, I'm just really happy to hear, you, hear from you. And she started crying. And I said, I got her. <laughs> that was November 12th. We were married on February 25th. It would be 41 years in a couple of months. But you know what kept me from wavering? I didn't, I, you know, I, I was like, weevils may wobble, but they won't fall down. <laughs> Remember those toys? I, I had some weevil moments, but I kept singing. Yeah. Psalms 57, 7 says, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Here's what I've learned. If the devil can't steal your joy, song, he can't steal your joy.
Oh, that's good. I wish I'd been the first to say it. I heard some preacher say it years ago. I think it was Jerry Savelle. If the devil can't steal your song, he can't steal your joy. And then finally, keep walking in the Spirit. Keep walking in the Spirit. How, what trumps the, the, the stumpness? The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Galatians 3.3 says this, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Any of you ever forget that and try to get involved in the middle? My daughter, Krista, lives in Knoxville and has the two most amazing kids the world's ever seen. I promised I would never talk about grandkids because I heard preachers do that so much, but that was before I had grandkids and realized how brilliant they are. One will be seven this week, the other one's five, and they love to make cookies with their mama. And their mama loves to let them make cookies with her. But how many of you know that at the end of their cookie-making session, the kitchen is three times messier, 30 times messier than it was if she'd just done it herself? The only thing us inserting ourselves into the problem, into the moving from stump to trump does is mess things up. Takes it longer. So God says, just keep walking in the Spirit. You couldn't do it at the beginning. You can't do it now. You've got to trust me. Galatians 5, 16, so I say, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Chapter 5, verse 25 of Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit. Nancy and I went to the uh, Georgia-Tennessee game a week ago yesterday. We're so happy to be there, and we won the first 11 seconds. <laughs> and then it got bad. And so somewhere in the, after the beginning of the fourth quarter, we decided to walk out, and 102,000 people are walking out, and, and we look up, and there's Peyton Manning, as close as we are. Peyton Manning, fourth person of the Trinity. <laughs> and I think he's... My first thought was, he's as tall as I thought, but he's not as big as I thought. Because he's not as, you know, he's not in playing shape or whatever. But I just kept my eyes on him. I didn't, I didn't have to talk to him. I didn't have to interrupt him. It was just fun being close to him. And so when he'd walk fast to get away from the crowd, I'd walk fast. <laughs> he's got six foot five legs. I got five foot five legs. When he'd stop, I'd stop. I just did that. Keep in, that's what God wants us to do if we want to move from stump to trumped. We've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Here's what I've learned. Faith is a decision, not an emotion. There are many times you'll go from stump to trump, trump to pumped. Your emotions are going to be all over the place. Doesn't mean you lost faith. Doesn't mean you're walking in faith if your emotions are high. You guys just got back from youth convention. You're Emotions are sky high, but Monday's going to happen. You've got to keep walking in faith. And 41 years ago, February 25th, 1983, on Alondra Boulevard at a church called something. It was an Assembly of God church. It's pink. Full Gospel Tavern. I couldn't remember, honestly. Changed my life.
as I stood at the altar and watched her walk down. And we've been married for 39 wonderful years. A couple were a little rough there, but that's part of life, isn't it? So are you stumped today? Stop scratching your head and start looking at the Spirit. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you've spoken to hearts today, God, because all of us come in. At times, we're stumped. We don't know how. We, we know what you've said, but we try to figure it out, and that just messes us up, Lord. So, God, forgive us for doing that and help us to learn that it's not us, it's you. You're the only one that can bring to pass what you told us you were going to do. And if we'll trust you and walk with you and keep in step with you, we'll see, go from stumped to pumped. With your heads bowed for a moment, maybe you're here today and you're going, well, that's all great, but you, you don't understand. I, I've come and maybe this is the first time you've been here in a long time. Maybe it's the first time ever. Maybe you've come week after week, but secretly in your heart, you just, you just thought, yeah, I wish I could... I wish I could believe all this stuff about Jesus, but man, I've messed up so much. I've messed up so much. I, I've got to undo what I did before I can do what he wants me to do. That's a lie from Satan. You can't undo anything. The only thing you can do is come just as you are in your brokenness, in your confusion. When I humbled myself and said to the Lord, Lord, I've messed this up. He didn't cast me away. He brought the promise to fulfillment. And if you're here today and you need forgiveness, then I want to encourage you just to come as you are. Because God says, whoever comes to me, there's no way I'm going to turn him away. Though our sins are like scarlet, they should be white as wool. Only God can do that. Only God can forgive. You can't forgive yourself, much less forgive make God forgive you. You just have to receive it. So I'm going to ask with our heads bowed for just a moment, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I just need, I just need to know that God's forgiving me of my sins. I just want to come totally based on what he can do, not what I can do. If that's you, just slip your hand up and we're going to pray. There's one or there are others. There's a couple or more and a couple. Anyone else? Will you all repeat this prayer after me? Let's just all repeat it with these three or four that have raised their hands. Lord Jesus, I come to you today not based on my goodness because I've messed things up and I've fallen short. And I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to cleanse me and to make me whole again. I believe your word is true. That whoever comes to you, you're not going to turn away. That as many as receive you, you give the power to become sons and daughters of God. And so I receive your forgiveness. And I receive your mercy today. And I receive you into my life. No longer the same changed by the power of your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. I receive it in Jesus' name.
Father, I pray for those that raised their hands and prayed that with me. Lord, I pray that they would never doubt, never doubt that in the dark what you've done in their hearts today, Lord. Thankful that we could come in a sinner and leave a saint, not because of us, but because of your goodness and your mercy. And we trust you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. amen.